Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Another week of Growing in Grace. I'm Cap, Mike Kapler, along with the Breeze man, Joel Brzezinski. Thank you for sharing our podcast. Lots of people uh, finding us and loading us into their iPods or downloading us off uh, Facebook or whatever the case around the world. I'm amazed at how many people have found the program and uh, hopefully we can make your week just a little bit better here. Joel, how you doing? Yeah, good. Hey, and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Well, I guess technically they wouldn't be tuning in, would they? That's an old radio term, but <laughs> finding us on the web, growingingrace.org, um, graceroots.org, facebook.com slash graceroots. I'm just running off all these places where you can uh, get a hold of us or find <laughs> out more. But either way, yeah, we're thankful to have you along with us. You know, Christmas is kind of upon us, and this is a time of giving. How about uh, give somebody the gift <laughs> of uh, of growing in grace? Uh, introduce somebody to the podcast. Just, just let them know we're here, and if they want to listen in, they're more than welcome to. Well, last week, Joel, we talked about Paul and uh, some circumstances that took place that really kind of eventually landed him in jail. Amazing things, of course, God worked through all of that because much of Paul's time in prison, he wrote the New Testament, also had personal ministry still going on. But one thing I, I, I just want to mention how, how we discussed that story of how Paul was trying to, I think, bring maybe, you know, we called it a compromise last week, but I think he was trying to bring the family together, Jewish Christians and Gentiles, Paul believed that everyone in Christ was freed from the law. And of course, you can see the evidence of that in his writings uh, in the New Testament. But I, I think sometimes, you know, when uh, th this controversial thing that was going on, these Jewish believers who felt so strongly about the tradition that they had had for so many years and centuries, the Jews who sort of clung to the, the law of Moses and the traditions of the law the ceremonies and, and uh, the customs and so forth. Here Paul was telling them that we're free from that in Christ, and that was a tough thing for those people to swallow. And so Paul gave in uh, at their suggestion by going through a, a, an old covenant ceremony, you know, in the effort to try and, I think, bring unity to the family. And maybe Paul even had it in his mind that he was trying to get his foot just a little bit further into the door to uh, eventually make his case with the Jewish believers about not only the Gentiles not having to keep the law, but the Jews as well. Nonetheless, that compromise didn't work out and uh, ended up in jail anyway. But like I said, God still worked good things through it. But I think that probably inspired Paul even more to communicate in his epistles the dangers of trying to cling to the law. And certainly you see that in much of his writings. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the book of uh, Philippians, here he's, you know, getting around to using some pretty strong language. In Philippians 3, 2, he says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. This is some pretty strong words. This is words that are anti-law, so to speak. That is to say that Paul is saying, Beware of those who compel you to do anything 
in order to be saved and in order to maintain your salvation. And so I do believe that by this time, by the time he was you know, in prison, it had been solidified in him. There really is no compromising the gospel. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And, you know, that would be no confidence in animal sacrifices, no confidence in circumcision, no confidence in the law, in anything. And he even listed off how he had been circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the eighth day. He was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, he had been a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he had persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he had considered himself blameless in his own words. And yet he went on to say, "Those things, what were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ." So he had definitely come to a place where he realized that all of that was dung, as he calls it. Uh, It was uh, just utter rubbish, and he had to throw it all away in order that he could have Christ Jesus. And so it's, it's interesting, if you follow Paul's life story, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story of, uh, of a man who had, again, been steeped in the law, and yet had become so free from it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, this mentality that, gee, just think, if, if we could uh, keep those commandments and those principles of the Old Covenant in our lives and add to it Jesus and the promises of the new covenant, wow, it would be even better. That's just a great misunderstanding about the two covenants and the gospel itself because, see, Christ is, we'll we'll talk about it here in a minute, but he was the fulfillment of the law. Uh, He is the promise with a capital P. He has replaced what had been offered to us before through the old covenant commandments and law. And not just like you were talking about circumcision and animal sacrifices and all those things, um, but including the, the Ten Commandments written on stone, the whole thing, all 600-plus laws wrapped up into one, if you want to say that. You know, we can call it all the law. It's been removed. It no longer, the law of Moses, all of it, no longer, as we talked about several weeks ago, it no longer has a place in the life of a New Testament, a New Covenant believer. Speaking of which, Joel, <laughs> I just used the word New Testament and New Covenant and they don't necessarily mean the same thing. Um, Because of the way our Bible is arranged with the book of Matthew, talking about the birth of Christ, and then, of course, Mark, Luke, and John, often referred to as the Gospels, a lot of people think that the New Covenant began, starting with the book of Matthew, starting with the beginning of the life of Christ. So we're going to talk about that, but I I did want to mention, as as I did a, a couple of minutes ago, that Jesus said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Then he goes on to say some other things. But a couple of verses down from that, he says that unless your righteousness, unless your righteousness, your righteousness, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we follow with the famous Sermon on the Mount where a lot of people think that Jesus now, under this new covenant, is teaching something for us as uh, Christians, as, as new covenant believers, to live by and to follow. And the, these principles that we should apply to our lives when we know that what Jesus was really teaching here was the law. Remember, in the book of Galatians, Paul said that Jesus was born of a woman born under the law. He was an old covenant prophet. The new covenant 
hadn't started yet. And he would often, as God intended for the law to be from the beginning of time, he would often put the law in front of people, even lift up the law to show people that they would not be able to meet the standard that was going to be required in order for them to have eternal life. Yeah, and what's uh, what's interesting to me is, you know, there are some Christians out there who will, they call themselves red-letter Christians. Uh, they, you know, in some, some Bibles, they will print the words of Jesus in red. So you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, and they say they follow the red letters. And so whatever Jesus said, they say that that's what they follow. And so now if that's true... Then, if they look at somebody with lust, they have committed adultery. If their right eye causes them to sin, or if their right hand causes them to sin, then what Jesus tells them to do is to pluck out their eye and to cut off their hand. Because <laughs> it's better if one of your members perish than if your whole body is cast into hell, Jesus says. And so, and in all these other things, like he said, if he said, if their righteousness doesn't exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees who considered themselves pretty righteous, they shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, he t- tells them they shall be perfect. They shall be perfect as their Father in heaven is perfect. Not just man's standard of perfection, but God's standard of perfection. And so if they really are these so-called red-letter people, then they're going to live by all of that stuff. But yet I see uh, most of these people still have both their eyes, still have both their hands, and they haven't cut them off. And so, you know, was Jesus, and many people think that Jesus was giving a new covenant teaching. Well, it's, it's like you said, Cap, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're known as the Gospels by man man has called them the gospels but is it really is it really the gospel if you read through a lot of what jesus said kind of differs from what we find later on like in paul's epistles and in the other new testament epistles yeah you know people thought well wow this is new teaching i've never heard anybody teach like this before well that's true jesus taught the law in a way that nobody had taught it before because he was trying to show people look if you're going to try and come into communion with God and experience eternal life through trying to keep these burdensome commandments. Let me tell you what they really mean. Here's what you're really going to have to do to live up to them. And so he went on to, to do that, to reveal to people how hard it was going to be. And he had their attention right away because not only did the Pharisees think that they were righteous when Jesus said that your righteousness will have to exceed theirs, uh, he had the, the attention of all the Jews because they also thought the, the Pharisees were like the, the pinnacle of, of what you could uh, establish when it came to uh, righteousness before God. And so, as uh, God said uh, in Isaiah, our righteousness is just filthy rags to him no matter how hard we try. And so, there's so many things, though, Joel, that Jesus said in this sermon that, to be honest with you, disagree are contrary to some things that Paul said in his writings in the New Testament. So, who's right? Was Jesus right? Or was Paul right? Of course, they were both right, because Jesus was teaching something that applied under the Old Covenant. Paul, looking back at the cross and the finished work of Christ, was writing how things are now under the New Covenant, even though they were opposite of each other. And so I think we can probably get some more in about this next week. And as we approach uh, Christmas here during the holiday season, where we live, Joel, uh, at this time of the year, Uh, in the United States, we we, want to talk a little bit more about 
when did the new covenant begin? It wasn't at Christ's birth, even though that was good news, but that's not when the new covenant began. Right, and so uh, we'll we'll definitely talk about that next week. One thing I'll leave us with here, you know, a few months ago we did a series called Game Changers. Cap and I talked about things that, you know, verses and concepts, biblical concepts that changed things for us in, in helping us to realize what the new covenant really was and what grace really was. And this verse uh, of Paul, uh, from Paul, these words of Paul in Romans 3.19, they changed things for me almost like nothing else did. Romans 3.19, Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And so if, if you're having any trouble with us in our words about Jesus, you know, as we talk about Jesus and whether or not his words uh, apply to Christians or not, take a look at Romans 3.19. Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Jesus was talking law to people who were under the law. Why? Paul says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That was the purpose of the law. That is why Jesus taught the law, not for Christians to follow, but that every mouth may be stopped. You know, it was mouth-stopping words. It shut the traps, so to speak, of people who, who thought they were righteous by what they did and uh, to make them see that they were guilty before God. Well, again, more talk about the New Covenant and uh, all kinds of other great things in the weeks to come here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.